everybody and welcome to The Tangled Angle. I'm Janice Christensen and here we address the tangled angles of conservative American values given to us by the Constitution while using facts and keeping it classy. I am a news junkie with a passion and interest in government politics and American history and I spent 16 years in the halls of the Washington State Legislature supporting my husband Dan Christensen who was elected to the House of Representatives from 2003 to 2018. Now with this podcast, I'm able to share and discuss what I've learned and experienced, along with some historical context of where we are on the timeline of history. I am so excited to announce that I have my own website now, thetangledangle.com. So there you can learn more about me, you can contact me, and please send me your comments, please send me your questions. And I'm always looking for topic ideas that you would possibly want addressed. So my new website is thetangledangle.com. You can learn about me there. And I'm so excited. I've been working on this for a couple of months and it is ready. Happy Independence Day. This 4th of July, our nation will celebrate 245 years of when the founders signed the Declaration of Independence. 56 men, 56 brave men signed that, and many were signing their death warrant and what was going to happen after they signed the Declaration of Independence. And I did an earlier podcast about these heroic men, but I want to expand today about independence from what? What? What was the point of 1776 when they signed the Declaration of Independence in 1787 when they put forth the Constitution and the Bill of Rights for the United States of America, this brand new country that had been formed by people that wanted religious freedom, economic freedom, and to go to a new land to be free from the the tyranny that the King of England, King George III, had afflicted upon them for many years taxation without representation, and all the other ills that he inflicted upon the colonists, and they were done. One of the best books I've read about this period of history is 1776 by David McCullough. And much of what I'm going to talk about today in this podcast comes directly from this book. It is a fabulous book, and he outlines in great detail before, during, after the signing of the Declaration of Independence what happened here in the 13 colonies here in America, in the 13 colonies. And the story of this war and the incredible odds faced by George Washington and his army are outlined beautifully in this book. What was going on at the time that they signed this declaration? What was happening in these these colonies, these 13 original colonies? And what was the King of England doing and the British Crown doing to them, and why did they want to separate? The Declaration of Independence is a brilliant document, and it begins when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. So the opening paragraph of the Declaration of Independence basically says, 
sometimes it's necessary to dissolve the political bands or the political ties of one people from another. They want a separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. They want an equality amongst themselves because they realize that nature's God entitles them to these natural rights. These natural rights are God-given, they're inborn to every single person that walks the planet, and among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That we, every single person longs to be free and to throw off the bonds of slavery, throw off the bonds of being a servant to someone else. And so that's how they start this document, and then they continue We hold these truths to be self-evident, which means it's obvious to everybody here. Do we really even need to state this? Yes, we do. But this is self-evident, but we're going to say it anyway, because we want to lay out a very clear and concise reason for why we are going to be impelled to the separation. So why did they want to separate? In the fall of 1775, many men were getting together to form this new nation, and they called it the Glorious Cause of America. And many of the young men at that time that were in the colonies felt that the glorious cause of America was, to a large degree, a young man's cause. Many young men felt this compulsion for the glorious cause of America. Why did they want to separate? Again, reading from the Declaration of Independence, quote, He has refused his assent to laws the most wholesome and necessary for the public good, end of quote. So he refused to acknowledge the laws that that they were living under, and what was for the public good, another point that the colonists had. They're referring to King George III, the King of England. He has called together legislative bodies at places unusual, uncomfortable, and distant from the depository of their public records for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures, end of quote. And I had an earlier podcast on the strategy of fatigue, but this is really even classic in the Washington State Legislature that they make it uncomfortable. They set the calendar for the legislative session, and then they send out emails at the last minute to calendar changes. So if the calendar changes at the last minute, more people can't testify, more people can't follow what's going on. It's just the classic delaying tactics, as he said, making it uncomfortable for those who are trying to follow the law to have a proper voice in front of the legislative body. Another thing the colonists say, he has made judges independent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices and the amount of payment of their salaries. So the King of England was controlling the judges that were in the colonies, and he was saying how much they were going to pay and the amount of payment they were going to be paid, how long they would be in office. So the King of England had full control over the judicial system in the colonies. Another point, he has kept among us in times of peace standing armies without the consent of our legislatures. So we had the army, the British army amongst the colonists, and the legislatures of these 13 colonies didn't approve of this. It was not honoring the 13 colonies and the different governments that they had set up within each colony and he was usurping his power over them. He quartered large bodies of armed troops among us. And so in other words, the troops could come in and take over someone's home and just camp there. The British troops could camp in a private citizen's home and kick them out. He was not honoring property rights of the colonists. 
He imposed taxes on them without their consent. He deprived them, in many cases, of the benefits of trial by jury. And he transported them beyond seas to be tried for pretended offenses. In other words, he took the colonists back to Great Britain to be tried for pretended offenses that they never committed. They weren't able to have a trial by a jury of their peers. They summarize, he has plundered our seas, ravaged our coasts, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. He is at this time transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries, those are the Hessians, to complete the works of death, desolation, and tyranny, already begun with circumstances of cruelty and perfidy scarcely paralyzed in the most barbarous ages and totally unworthy the head of a civilized nation. So he was just trouncing all over them, and they didn't like it. So these are some of the reasons outlined in the Declaration of Independence of why the colonists wanted to be their own country. And relations with the British government had steadily deteriorated since the widely despised Stamp Act of 1765 that imposed a direct tax on the colonists. So things were heating up, and by the time Jefferson... Thomas Jefferson sat down to write the Declaration of Independence in 1776. A series of events had driven a wedge between Great Britain and its 13 colonies across the Atlantic. And you need to remember that most of the colonists still identified as British citizens. They still strongly identified with the British government and with King George. But the British had won the French and Indian War going back between 1754 and 1763, but it cost them a lot of money, these two wars. And now Great Britain was in debt and had to borrow 58 million pounds to pay for expenses for the French and Indian Wars. And and after that, the government of Great Britain was in a lot of debt. So to compensate for this debt, that was one of the reasons they taxed the colonists and taxed the tea. The British government needed to raise taxes on the colonists. So the colonists began to resist these new restrictions, resist these taxes, and the British said, no, this tax is necessary. So in 1775, after they threw the tea into the Boston Harbor in 1773, a standoff between some 700 British troops and 77 militiamen in Lexington ignited, leaving eight militiamen dead. From Lexington, the British troops marched into Concord. More gunfire was exchanged, leaving three redcoats and two colonists dead. And this was the beginning of the Revolutionary War. So Congress, by this point, had agreed, the Continental Congress, they weren't yet the Congress of the United States, it was still the Continental Congress, they agreed that the current relations with the British were unacceptable, yet they sharply disagreed over how to proceed. And at that time, John Adams, the second president of the United States, but then a Continental Congressman, wrote in a letter to his wife, Abigail. He explained it well that the Congress at the time was split into three groups. First, there were those who wanted to convince the British to return to the conditions that predated the Stamp Act. In other words, can we just forgive all and go back to how it was before the Stamp Act? The second group wanted the British king, not parliament, to issue orders to the colonies. And the third group, which was John Adams' group, they had a desire too radical to express publicly. They wanted complete independence from the British crown. But they drew up they drew up what was called the Olive Branch Petition and sent it to King George. But it had little impact. He refused to even see it. 
and declared that the colonists were in, quote, open and avowed rebellion, end of quote, and, quote, levying war, end of quote, against the British. So King George said, no, the colonists are in rebellion and they are levying war against the British. So on July 4th, 1776, Congress officially adopted the Declaration of Independence. And as Benjamin Franklin said, quote, we must indeed all hang together, or most assuredly we shall all hang separately, end of quote. So they knew the gravity of what they were doing. They knew the seriousness of what they were doing in striking out on their own to form a new nation. So who were these men that signed the Declaration of Independence? In one of my earlier podcasts, I go through them, but but who were these men? The commander-in-chief of the army was George Washington, and he was 43 years old when the Declaration of Independence was signed. Benjamin Franklin was 70 years old, and he represented Pennsylvania at the Continental Congress. John Hancock, who was president of the Continental Congress, he was 39 years old. John Adams was 40 years old. Thomas Jefferson was 33 years old. Brigadier General Nathaniel Green, he didn't sign the Declaration of Independence, but he was a large part, a big help to George Washington. He was 33 years old as Brigadier General. James Madison, he composed the first drafts of the U.S. Constitution. He was 24 years old when they signed the Declaration of Independence. And the year Madison turned 30 years old, he was nicknamed the father of the Constitution because he composed the first drafts of the U.S. Constitution. So these, some of these were very young men at the time, very educated, very intelligent. A lot of the men that formed our new nation were under 30 years old. And on the other side of the pond, there were many in the British Parliament that were also deeply opposed to this war with the colonists. They still viewed the colonists as British citizens, and they were conflicted because, as the Marquis of Rockingham at that time said, he was in the House of Lords, said hiring foreign troops to go to war against British citizens was an alarming and dangerous precedent. And he also said even more alarming was the shedding of British blood by British hands. So even under King George, many in Parliament in the House of Lords and House of Commons were in deep conflict with themselves because, again, they viewed many of these colonists as British citizens. But by now, King George had declared America in rebellion and had confirmed that he was committing land and sea forces as well as unnamed foreign mercenaries, to put an end to this rebellion. So what happened after they signed this document? Well, now the Revolutionary War was in full swing. And at the start of the British siege, there had been no American army. It was quickly assembled at this point. They had no flag and no uniforms. There were some official documents that had been referred to this army as the Continental Army, But there was no clear agreement on what this army should actually be called in practice. Some referred to it as the New England Army or the Army at Boston. So the the war drug on for many years. And at the end, John Adams wrote to his wife, Abigail. They have a huge collection of their letters back and forth from with John Adams to his wife, Abigail. And he explained how he felt this newly found freedom in these colonies should be commemorated. John Adams writes to his wife, quote, I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. 
it ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other from this time forward forevermore. End of quote. And John Adams realized the great victory and really to giving devotion to God Almighty, realizing what had happened to form this United States of America. And to kind of wrap this up and the amazing, another amazing event that happened is exactly 50 years to the day of the signing of the Declaration of Independence, both John Adams and Thomas Jefferson died. John Adams was 90 years old when he died and Thomas Jefferson was 83. Those two men died on July 4th, 1826. And they, in their later years, penned many letters back and forth to each other. Those were two amazing men that were young at the time of the signing of the Declaration of Independence, and they died 50 years exactly to the day of signing that document. So I hope this helps you understand what Independence Day is, the amazing founding of our country, the men and women that paid a very high price for us to have our freedoms and liberties. And so when you hear the fireworks, when you see the parties and the games, the pomp and parade, the games, the sports, and everything that John Adams wrote to his wife Abigail being celebrated on this day. Remember all the brave men and women, many of them who died, so we could have the United States of America. I'd love to hear from you. Please give me some feedback and let me know what you think. You can find me on Facebook at Janice Christensen and on Instagram, Twitter, and Telegram at Janice Christ, J-A-N-I-S-K-R-I-S-T.